to chapter number 14 this morning. We're going to begin reading with verse number 6. The word of the Lord says, Then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal. And Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where, you, uh, where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive. As he said these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am this day, 85 years old. And yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength, both for going out and for coming in. Now therefore give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there, and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will... Be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him, and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Let's look back at verse number 11 again. Caleb said, and yet I am as strong this day. Say this day. I'm as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength. I have a question that I want us to answer this morning. I want to ask you this question today. And the question is, how will you finish? How will you finish? finish. Father, we love you today. We thank you for the word of the Lord. Father, I thank you that not only are we able to start out well, but Father, with your help and with your grace, Father, we will be able to finish well also. Father, your anointing to rest upon the message, upon the messenger, Lord, today. Give us ears to hear the word of the Lord, we ask. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Lately, I have absolutely become obsessed with the desire of finishing my life and my ministry strong. You see, too many people start out with a sizzle only to finish with a fizzle. My desire is to finish stronger and more effective at the end of my life and at the end of my ministry than I was at the beginning or or even when I was in my so-called prime. You see, I don't want to just run my race. I don't want to just finish my race, but I want to finish strong. You see, hardly a week goes by that I don't hear about some pastor 
or some minister failing. And it breaks my heart, but it seems like a week never goes by, but what I hear of another minister that has bit the dust, another minister of a moral failure or, a, or some type of failure in, in their life. If it's not that, then it's a pastor that is quitting the ministry or a pastor that has become, become battle-weary and has become bitter and beaten down and broken. They have waved the white flag. They have thrown in the towel. They have stayed down for the count. Well, friend, that is not the way that I want to go out. That is not the way I intend to finish. Now, I understand how people think. And you might be here this morning and you might be thinking, Pastor, uh, uh, I'm just starting out. Or you might be thinking, Pastor, I'm barely in the middle of my race and you're talking about, about finishing? What does finishing have to do with me? Truth of the matter, it has everything to do with you. You see, you see, who knows where the finish line is? I said, who knows where the finish line is? Some people finish their life at age 90 and some never Reach age nine. In light of this fact, all of us here today should live every single day of our life with the finish line in mind. No matter how young you are, no matter how old you are today, wherever you are in your life, it doesn't matter. We should live each and every day with the finish line in mind. You see, the finish line just might be a lot closer than you think. I promise you this morning that it will get here a whole lot quicker than you realize. How many of you are are encouraged now? This morning I want us to take a few moments and, and look into the life of a man named Caleb. Because you see, Caleb not only started out his race well, but he finished well. So I want to suggest to you this morning five qualities in the life of Caleb that helped him finish well. It helped him finish strong. It helped him finish on top. And I believe that these same five qualities are needed and we need to develop them in our life if we are going to finish well. If we are going to finish strong as well. Now these five qualities can be found in the passage of Scripture that we read just a moment ago. The first quality that I see in the life of this man named Caleb, I suggest to you that Caleb possessed uncommon faith. Uncommon faith. Verse number 7, Caleb said, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. Caleb said, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Now, in order for us to see what the report that Caleb gave, uh, we have to look in the book of Numbers, chapters number 13 and 14. And in the book of Numbers, chapter 13 and 14, uh, we can find the reference there uh, of Caleb and the account of Caleb that he's referring to in our text today. We understand that Moses had delivered the children of Israel out of slavery and out of the bondages of Egypt. 
We understand that they were about to go into the promised land. They were about to go into the land of Canaan. The land that, that God said is a land that flows with milk and honey. Or, or it is an exceeding good land. It's everything that you would ever want or hope for or dream about. Uh, it is an awesome and incredible land, God said. And, and I'm giving this land to you. And, and I'm taking you into this land. And here they are. They're just about to go into the land. But before they go into the land of Canaan, before they go into this land that was promised to them by God, before going into this land, they send 12 spies. Now I want you to know that this wasn't God's idea, this was man's idea. You'll read a little bit later, you read through and you'll find out that this was not God's idea. This was not God's original plan. It wasn't His uh, idea to send 12 spies in there. God already knew what was in the land. God already knew what was there. God, It was the people's idea. Listen, friend, when we get ahead of God and we start designing our own life and start making up our own rules, when we get our own ideas, so often we get ourselves into trouble. And so before they went into the land of promise, it was their idea, it was the people's idea that they choose 12 men, 12 spies, and these 12 men or spies go in and check out the land and bring back a report. Well, we understand that Caleb was one of these 12 spies. And when these 12 spies came back from their research, and when these 12 spies gave their report, there were two very different reports given. (laughs) There always is, isn't there? There's always two reports. Every Sunday there's two reports that are given around the dining room table. Amen about the service. Two very different reports. Ah, oh, one, one day there was a, a, a lady, uh, that was, and, and gentleman that was leaving the service and, and the lady, as she shook hands with the pastor, she said, Oh, pastor, she said, that was the most wonderful sermon I have ever heard in my life. Oh, it was so rich and it was so filling and it was so wonderful. She said, Well, pastor, I want you to know I'm just, I'm just full up to here. And she went on and her husband shook the hand of the pastor and said, Yeah, pastor, and I got my belly full of it too. (laughs) How many know there's always two reports that are given? And the twelve spies went in and, and they all saw the same thing and they all noticed the same thing. But when they came back, there were two very different reports that were given. Caleb and Joshua, they gave a report that was filled with faith. The other ten spies gave a report that was filled with fear. Let's look at the report that they gave. Let's look back over it in Numbers. Numbers chapter number 13. Numbers chapter number 13 and verse number 30. Numbers chapter 13 and verse number 30. Notice the, uh, notice the report of Caleb. He says in verse 30, Caleb quieted the people before Moses. And and this is the report he said. He said, let us go up at once and let us take possession of the land. For we are well able to overcome it. But I want you to notice the report of the ten spies. It's found in Numbers chapter 13. But let's back up to verse number 28. But nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified. They're very large. And we saw the descendants of Anak there. Oh, the giants. Verse 29. The Amalekites dwell in the land on the south. And the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. 
Verse 31. Oh, but the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against this people, for they are stronger than we. And they, these ten, gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, all came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Friend, while the majority operated in fear, Caleb operated in faith. When others said we can't, Caleb said we can. When others said why, Caleb said why not. Let me suggest to you this morning that Caleb possessed uncommon faith. And friend, if you and I are going to do uncommon things, we are, it will require of us uncommon faith. I want to say that again this morning. If you and I this morning, if we are going to do uncommon things, then it will require of us uncommon faith. If we not only uh, want to run the race, not only do we want to finish the race, but oh, if we actually want to finish well, if we want to finish on top, if we want to finish strong, it will require of us uncommon faith. Pastor, how do I, I get this uncommon faith? Well, that's a good question. That's a good question. And, and Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 gives the answer. And Romans 10 and 17 says, faith comes. Oh, okay, Paul, tell us, how does faith come? And Paul says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of the Lord. Friend, if you want uncommon faith, people with uncommon faith are people of the Word. They're people of the Word. They read it, they study it, they listen to preachers, they listen to teachers. Amen. They pray and ask God to reveal the Word of the Lord to them. If you want to have uncommon faith, and it's going to take uncommon faith for you to finish well and for you to finish strong. If you want uncommon faith, you must be a hearer of the Word of the Lord. Amen. Because uncommon faith comes to those that hear the Word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Notice another quality of Caleb. Let me suggest that he also possessed unfavorable, unfavorable faith. Unfavorable faith. In verse 7, Caleb says, I brought back a positive report of the land. In verse 8, Caleb says, the ten gave a negative report. And therefore, therefore they scared the people, causing them to not want to enter the promised land. How many, how many would agree this morning that in all probability, Caleb was not too popular with the ten dissenters? His uncommon faith, his positive attitude made them look bad. How many would agree that probably Peter, Peter was probably not too popular with the other 11 disciples. Uh, oh, when his uncommon faith got him out of the boat and out onto the water doing the moonwalk with the Lord. For the times that God has called me to do some things that, uh, that required uncommon faith. Not everybody marched in my parade. 
I lost favor with the doubters and the skeptics. You see, people who do not possess uncommon faith are often jealous and even intimidated by those who do. Because these people who are not willing to exercise uncommon faith, these people that are not willing to take a calculated risk, these people that do not possess uncommon faith, they don't want you to either. Because if you do and they don't, they think it will make them look bad. It makes them look like they're doubters and in unbelief. Uncommon faith will cause you to lose favor with the doubters. But guess what this morning? It's okay. It's okay. But not only did Caleb possess uncommon faith, not only did he possess unfavorable faith, but, but also I believe that he, he possessed an uncompromising faith. Uncompromising faith. Verse 8 again. My brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, or they discouraged the people. But I wholly followed the Lord. Caleb possessed uncompromising faith. His God promised them this land and God's promise was enough for him. I believe that Caleb's motto was God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Yes, yes, the cities are walled, fortified and well-protected cities. Yes, yes, there are giants there. Yes, yes, they are bigger, badder, and more strong than we are. But so what? So what, Caleb says? God promised it to us. And if God promised it to us, then it's His problem in how He's going to do it. It's His problem in how He's going to bring it about and make it a reality in our life. Oh, so what, Caleb says? Let's go up right now and let's take what God has given to us. You hear me this morning, people? True faith will be tried and compromise will always be offered. Every single time that God has spoken something specifically to me, my faith has been tried. My faith has been tested. My faith has been challenged. Every single time that God has led me in a particular or a specific manner or way, compromise has always been offered. You see, the devil will always offer you an alternate plan to the one that you received from God. I want to tell you that every time that God speaks to you, it won't be long and the devil will be speaking to you as well. In fact, sometimes God is not even finished speaking before the devil sneaks in there and begins talking into the other ear. And don't forget, just as God works through people, and oh, we like that and we're thrilled with that and we get excited about, oh, that God can use anybody and that God, when He does something, you know, when God wants to touch somebody, He uses your hands, somebody's hands. When God wants to speak to somebody, He uses somebody else's mouth. When God wants to bless somebody, He uses some person's resources to do it. And we get all excited and thrilled about the fact that we can be used of Almighty God. But let me tell you that just like God works, that's the way that devil works too. So when the devil wants to talk to us, he uses the mouth of somebody else as well. Amen. The devil will always offer us a compromise. He will always offer us an alternate plan. uh, And this alternate plan that the devil offers uh, will always appeal to our flesh. What God offers goes against our flesh. It doesn't feel good. 
What the devil offers always appeals to our flesh. And it always sounds logical. God seldom leads us logically. You know, logic says you need water, you know, go turn on a faucet. God says you need water, go take a stick and hit a rock with it. I'm not saying there were faucets for them to turn on, but I, you know, what I'm saying this morning. Amen. People that finish strong, people who finish effectively are people who possess uncompromising Faith. These are people that know their calling. These are people that know their purpose in life. And they are not willing to stray from their calling. Not willing to stray from their purpose. And by the way, this morning, do you, do you even know what your purpose is? Now here's the problem with finding our purpose is that everybody thinks it's some great, big, grand and glorious and out there and unbelievable and incredible and, you know, kind of thing. But let me tell you this morning that your purpose could be, I didn't say it was, but it could be as simple as being a godly wife and godly mother. That could be God's purpose for your life. It could be as simple as being light in a dark place. We're always saying, God, God, I'm around wickedness. God, I'm around darkness. God, God, get me out. God might be saying, turn on the light. Amen. It could simply be as, it could be as simple as being light in a dark place. It could be as simple as being a true example of a genuine godly man or woman of God. Finishing strong, finishing well, finishing on top doesn't necessarily mean that you're number one. Doesn't necessarily mean that you're number one. Doesn't necessarily mean that you are the latest and the greatest. That you you are the biggest and the baddest and the best. Doesn't necessarily mean that at all. Finishing strong for you may simply mean that you accomplished what God placed you on planet earth for. It means that you became the best you that you could be, not the best imitator of somebody else. I'll leave that alone this time. Simply means that you knew the race that God wanted you to run. The race, friend, that God wants you to run is different than the race He wants me to run. And the race He wants me to run is different, amen, than, than a John Hagee or, or a John Maxwell or, or an Andy Stanley or, or whoever, amen. God has a specific race for all of us to run. And if we finish well and we finish strong, it doesn't mean that we finish number one. It doesn't mean that we finish the latest and the greatest. It means that we understood why God put us on planet earth. Amen. It means that we did everything we could to fulfill Fulfill the will of God in our heart and in our life. Hallelujah. Amen. You knew the race that God wanted you to run and you didn't compromise. You didn't run your race the way somebody else wanted you to run it. And believe me, there's always somebody that thinks you ought to run your race differently than you're running. And if you try and do what everybody wants you to do, you'll be absolutely crazy. 
I'll never forget one Sunday I was standing in the foyer in Midland. It was a brand new startup church. And so people were coming in from everywhere. And one lady comes up to me at the end of the service. And she says, Pastor, she said, if you'll do this, 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 and this. She said, you'll pack this place out. She walked on. Somebody walked right up and said, I heard what she told you. And I want to tell you, if you do this, 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 and this, I'm out of here. Everybody's got an idea of who you ought to be and what you ought to be doing and what your life ought to consist of. Amen. Everybody wants to help uh, tweak your life. Amen. But only you and you alone knows what's on the inside. Only you and you alone knows the vision and the burden and the purpose that God has for your life. So don't listen to everybody else. If you're going to finish strong, you're not going to finish strong by trying to copy somebody else. But you're going to finish strong if you know who you are and you become the best you that God wants you to be. Oh, give the Lord a shout of praise. Amen. Hallelujah. You see, the easier way for Caleb would have been to say, majority rules. The easy thing for Caleb to do would have said, majority rules. Oh, let me say and let me act and let me do what the majority is saying and acting and doing so I won't stick out like a sore thumb, so I won't have to swim against the tide. But no, 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 Caleb refused. Amen, to compromise his faith. He said to the crowd, don't you dare listen to those wimpy, faithless, doubting, baby, thumb-shucking people. God promised us this land. So let's go up right now and let's take it because God is with us. By the way, this morning, are you aware that God has made some very incredible promises to you? Are you enjoying these promises? Do you still believe these promises? Have you compromised your faith and settled for Satan's alternate plan? Or are you still in the race that God designed especially for you? Let's talk about another quality in Caleb's life that helped him finish well. Helped him finish on top. Helped him finish strong. Let me suggest that Caleb possessed an undying faith. An undying faith. Let's read verse 10 through 12 again this morning. Verse 10 through 12. Caleb says, and now, Behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years. Ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, here I am this day, 85 years old. And yet, I am as strong this day as I was on the day that Moses sent me. And just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. So therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. And it might be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. You see, Caleb not only started out with faith, but his faith endured for 45 years. Friend, if anybody had a right to lose their faith, I believe it would have been Caleb. I mean, here he is ready to go in and possess 
the promised land right then and there at the first opportunity. And yet he had to wait 45 years for the fulfillment of the promise. And for 40 of those 45 years, they were in the wilderness. And for 40 of the 45 years, he had to endure the constant grumbling and complaining of the people. For 40 years, he had to live with the fact that somebody else was responsible for his 40-year delay. Think about that this morning. That's very, very significant. You see, it would be one thing to endure a 40-year delay on God's promise because of something that you had done, because you had messed up, you had done something wrong, you had messed up, and you were being punished. It would be one thing to endure a 40-year delay for something you did wrong. But Caleb had done nothing wrong. he done nothing wrong. Oh, yet because of the doubt, because of the unbelief of others, he had to wait 40 years to enjoy what he should have enjoyed 40 years earlier and had should have been enjoying for those 40 years. And then five more years had come and gone. It was 40 years of, of wandering in the wilderness so that everybody died off. All the grumblers and all the unbelievers died off. And then it was five years into it after they had crossed over. And right here he still hasn't taken the mountain yet. But Caleb possessed an undying faith. A faith that endured for more than 45 total years of trials and tests and disappointment. Oh, but at the end of that 45 years, Caleb's faith, amen, was not only still intact. Oh, it was as strong, it was stronger than it ever was before. Oh, oh, hear me this morning. How I want that to be so for me. How I want that to be so for you. And by the way, how is your faith? Is it a lasting faith? Is it a lasting faith? Can your faith endure anything? You see, the truth is your faith will be tested. Your faith will be tested. It will be tested by delays and detours and disappointments. Oh, it will be tested by accusations. It will be tested by abrasive people. It will be tested by abandonment. Oh, oh, by troubles and trials and oh, and turmoil. Amen. Sometimes it will be because of your own stupidity and other times it will be because of the stupidity of somebody else. How will you finish? How will you finish? Will your faith barely drag you over the finish line? Will your faith barely drag you over the finish line? Or will you finish with your head high and your chest out as you hit the winner's tape? I don't know about you this morning, but I'm not content to barely survive. 
Oh, when we used to have testimonies. And maybe it's one reason why we don't anymore. Y'all pray for me. I can hold out to the end. Y'all pray for me. I'll make it all, all the way home. Well, I want to make it all the way home. Amen. But I want to go home singing. I want to go home shouting. Amen. I want to go home, uh, amen, excited. I want to go home with faith. Amen. I want to go home strong or stronger than I ever was in my entire life. Hey, if Caleb could, I think I can. Oh, maybe not physically, but by faith. Our faith. Let's look at one more this morning as we finish. One last quality in the life of Caleb that helped him finish. Well, on top, strong. Let me suggest that Caleb possessed an undertaking. An undertaking faith. Let's read verse 12 through 14 one more time. Caleb said, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb the son of Jephthah as an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Jephthah, the Kenizzite to this day. Because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Let me suggest to you this morning that Caleb didn't just talk faith. He took action. He didn't just talk faith. He took action. You know what I'm discovering? I I discover that there's a whole lot of people that are really good about talking. Whole lot of people that are good at talking faith. It's amazing to me how much faith people say they have. It's amazing to me how much faith people act like they have. But friend, when the rubber meets the road, oh, when it's time to, amen, to put up or shut up, when it's time to put their faith into action, it's a different story. Caleb didn't just talk faith. He took action. And friend, the proof of faith is action. Proof of faith is action. Let me ask you this morning, is there any proof of your faith? Is there any proof of your faith? Notice that Caleb asked for the mountain. Even though the giants are still there like they were 45 years earlier, even though he is now 45 years older, 85 years old to be precise, but Caleb possesses undertaking faith. Give me this mountain. He pleads with Joshua, knowing again that, that is inhabited with giants, knowing, knowing that it's going to cost him a whale of a fight. But Caleb knew that God's promises are worth fighting for. And he knew that if God promised then victory is guaranteed. 
Friend, if we like Caleb finish our race strong, if we finish on top, if we finish well, amen, if we finish all well, we too will have to possess undertaking faith. Our faith like Caleb's faith will be proven by our action. Not only will we be able to talk faith, not only are we willing, or don't we, we know the faith formulas and we know how to talk the talk, but we're not only talkers, amen, but we are doers, amen, we are willing to step out, we are willing to do, we are willing to take a risk, amen, we are willing to exercise our faith. We are willing to prove our faith by the action that we take. The question I have for all of us here today is how will you finish? How will you finish? And as I said earlier in the beginning of this message, you might be thinking, this message doesn't apply to me. I'm just starting out, Pastor, or or I'm in the middle of my race. Pastor, I'm not even thinking about the finish line. But hear me this morning, we all should be. We all should be. The finish line should always be in our mind. The finish line, friend, could be a whole lot closer to us than what we think that it is. As I said earlier, some people finish at 90. Others don't even make it to 9. And let me tell you this morning, lest you have other thoughts in your mind, I don't think I'm anywhere close to the finish line this morning. I'm not up here this morning as some old preacher about to finish. I don't think I'm anywhere close, amen, to my finish line. On the other hand, who knows, who knows, who knows where the finish line is for any of us. Let me tell you something this morning. Pastor Braden, would you come to the keyboard, please? Let me tell you something as I close this morning. Hear me this morning. The finish line might not be death at all. The finish line... Might not be death at all. The finish line might not be retirement. Friend, it might just be the rapture. When you think about the finish line, you might be thinking of somebody 90 years old about to step into eternity and they can barely move and they can barely, you know, they're barely making it. Hey, that's not what I'm talking about this morning. Talking about finishing strong, not only in, in life, but in your ministry and, and what you do and as a person, as a, as a husband, as a wife, as a father, as a mother, as a grandparent, as an employer, as an employee, as a child of God, amen, as a minister, whatever. I want to finish strong in every area of my life. I don't want to finish on top as a pastor, amen, and finish weak as a husband. I don't want to finish strong as a pastor and finish weak as a father or a grandfather I want to finish strong in every area of my life but the finish line is probably closer than we imagine and it certainly will get here a whole lot faster than we think that it will but it may not be death. It may not be retirement at all. It might be the rapture. It might be the coming of the Lord. Let me tell you, the Bible says that the rapture can happen in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. It can happen when we least expect it. It could happen at any moment. Friend, it could happen before we get home today. Amen. The finish life may not be death. It may not be retirement. Amen. It might be the coming of the Lord. And so because of that, I better live every day of my life. Amen. I better live it the way I want to finish it. Amen. I want to finish strong. As I said, I don't want to barely make it across, but I want to run across the finish line. How are you going to finish this morning? How are you going to finish? 
Maybe you've started out really, really good, but you've stumbled along the way. Hey, you might have stumbled, but you can get back up and still finish well. Maybe on the other hand, you didn't start out very well. You, you fell as soon as you got out of the blocks. I mean, you didn't even get a good start. But just because you didn't get a good start doesn't mean you can't have a good finish. You can finish strong. You can finish well. You can finish effective, efficient, on top. You can finish and hear your Lord say, Well done, good, faithful servant, faithful over a little, ruler over a lot, enter to the joy of your Lord. Would you stand with me in this house this morning, please? Hallelujah. Father, thank you. Thank you for the word of the Lord this morning. Thank you for the word of the Lord today. Thank you for the word of the Lord this morning. Thank you for the word of the Lord. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed today. Maybe you're here today and you started out well, but you stumbled somewhere along the way. This morning, you're going to get up, dust yourself off, and with God's grace and God's mercy and God's help, you're going to get back in the race. And you're going to determine to finish strong. If I've described you, can I see your hand this morning in this room? Thank you, sir. God bless you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Anybody else? I started out really good. Did really good out of the blocks. But I stumbled. With God's help, I'm going to get up go again this morning and I'm going to be determined to finish the race and finish strong. Alright, maybe you're here this morning and you started out well. I mean, you were one of the first ones out of the blocks, man. You're a great starter.